Welcome to Afterthoughts. Join us and hear our thoughts after watching a movie that uh, I'm very interested to hear when both of you turned it off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I am your host tonight, Ryan King, and with me, as always, John Garcia. Hey, Ryan. I'm really excited to talk about Simple Jerk. Um, (laughs) Steve Martin's approving role. It just really swinging for the fences um yeah, absolutely uh yes and also joining us michael dixon ryan you're the real jerk <laughs> for picking this movie making me watch this pile of shit <laughs> you know we need it every so often we've we've been too many good movies you know in a row even on our recommend and refutes it's been good <laughs> movies uh i mean ever john had a you know one or two in there and a recommend or a few that was questionable but we had to bring this back around and ground it around a questionable like, <laughs> late 70s uh, uh, early chaos comedy kind of movie. Yes, yeah, so we were talking about 1979's The Jerk starring Steve Martin. In the history of motion pictures, only a select few performers have become immortalized by the roles they have portrayed. Consider The Vamp, The Champ, The Tramp, and now the most perfect casting of all, Steve Martin, The Jerk. It was never easy for me. I was born a poor black child. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin with this. I don't either. (laughs) I I, I would say, yeah, we could kind of go around and give our our gist, but I would like to I would like to to wonder what point, because John, you texted me or you you messaged in the chat. It was me. Oh Dixon. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'd like to hear what scene that was at. But uh, I'll, I'll kick off with my opinions and, and generally why I picked this movie. This is a movie I watched a lot when I was younger. Uh, and the lines, certain lines have stuck in my head. And I think even as questionable as this movie is, some of the lines and scenes can still stick with you. Uh, I kind of wanted to revisit it just because this was, this is Steve Martin's first movie. This is before Airplane, I think a year before Airplane. Mm-hmm. And, um, Carl Reiner's like second movie, more or less. Carl Reiner obviously doing a lot of television for a long time before, um, and kind of a zany-ish comedian himself. This is one of those first zany movies, like that's funny and like just for stupid reasons with a stupid main character. <laughs> um, that you know we wouldn't have the modern you know Dumb and Dumber or anything else. Like this is kind of the progenitor of all of those. So it'll be interesting to go back and look at it. I also wanted to see how it held up. Uh, definitely some questionable content, uh, yeah. I think, in, <laughs> in the concept. It is a good laugh and played for laughs, but there is, yeah, there's definitely like a scene later where it's used that I think would not, people would not be happy with today. That being how Steve, oh, yes. Martin, grew, we all know how Steve Martin grew up a young black boy, mm-hmm. <laughs> a young poor black boy. Um, I still find it funny part of it i think is the nostalgia of all the stupid lines and stupid stuff i do think steve martin kind of after this solidifies into a better set of roles before just becoming the old man in movies there's kind of a short window between the kind of chaos that was snl which i know he wasn't on the cast but he was a very common recurring host but kind of the chaos of his stand up in snl these couple of crazy movies, and then he gets into some actually funny shit. Uh, and this is definitely in that, like, we're just throwing stuff at the wall. Like, he and Carl Reiner thought this was funny and just did the things they thought were funny, and they didn't really care if anyone got it or gave a shit. 
The interesting thing is that this is like the eighth highest grossing movie of 1979. Wow. Um, <laughs> and the fact that that is a year that includes a- Apocalypse Now, as yep. like for good movies, Apocalypse yep. Now, um, but it also includes Alien mm-hmm. and uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture. So the fact that this is on a budget of like nothing compared to those two movies and was just behind them and how much money it made is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I think maybe is more of a testament to just how popular Steve Martin was than necessarily this was a movie that everyone was like, oh, you got to go watch it. It's amazing. But we'll kind of we'll go around. I want to see your thoughts on the actual movie. But John, <laughs> I'll, I'll jump to you. Yeah. Um, I've only ever known Steve Martin since he's been diagnosed with chronically unfunny syndrome. Um, and I think that's right around when like Cheaper <laughs> by the Dozen right came out. <laughs> the Pink Panther remake. Like the Pink Panther Those remake. were so it bad. Was, yes. um, I think really what put the nail in his coffin before he's even in it was uh, uh, Fantasia 2000 um, when they paid a bunch of celebrities to come up and do it a gag or two in between musical interludes. And there is the same amount of silence on film that there is in the audience for any of Steve Martin's jokes at that moment, (laughs) which is to say a lot. And there's an orchestra behind him, too. There should be noise (laughs) on the camera. But um yeah, it, I I had not seen him do anything like this. I've only seen him play it safe, and I've only seen him brought into like the things where he can collect a check and leave. And I was also high for half of this movie. Like I was slowly ramping. That's probably up. for the best. So the first half, yeah, yeah. I was just like, "The fuck's going on?" I don't really know how I should feel about it. And then the latter half, I laughed my ass off and had a good <laughs> You're time. Just- and just on parts, a ride. Yeah, it was just like on a ride. I was like, all right, fine, fuck it. Like, I'm here for it. It conjured a lot of images in my head of like other comedies that I can see pulling from it. Even sketches too. Like, I know there's a Chappelle show sketch where uh, Dave plays a black man who was raised white, but he's blind. So he doesn't know. Oh, and he yeah. He joins yeah, yeah. like yeah, the KKK yeah. and uh, all that shit, um, which, which seems like the inverse here. And then the kind of like rags to riches story that you see in like walk hard um with this they had a very similar thing with like the wedding sequence and him approaching a girl and being like i don't know dewey cox being double married and some other shit to (laughs) the jerk being in a relationship that he doesn't want to be in and trying to like move out of it by not closing the actual relationship he was previously in like shit like that had me laughing and it was just awkward and funny and there were some really good bits i felt in the latter half of it but the first half really, it had to do a lot to set up and make me laugh. And I was just like, I don't know how long I'm going to go before I realize that Steve Martin's just never been funny. But then he actually did. <laughs> he got me. Yeah, so, you know, the parts that I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have too much else beyond that. Like, I, I was just bewildered for most of it, trying to figure out where in his career this is placed because I did not look up any of the historical placements of it. I didn't realize it was a 1979 film. I didn't do any of that shit. I was just like, I'll just go in cold. I've seen the draft house advertise this movie once or twice. Maybe there's something to it. And, uh, the moment that he looked at me and said, I was born a poor black boy. I was like, what the fuck is this movie going to be? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's my, my bundle of thoughts. Uh, Dixon, what do you, what do you got for this? Yeah. Um, I think it's a uh, very telling Ryan that you did not give a plot synopsis when you intro this because oh, yeah, there right. isn't really <laughs> a plot to this movie. It's just like a series of events that happened to a very stupid man. And, uh, you know, basically like 
a large baby that has no concept of the world at all and him just stumbling into weird events that that occur around him and to him and I, I john i feel like your assessment of the first half or the second half of the movie is chiefly due to you your high finally kicking in in the second <laughs> half of the movie because i watched the whole thing stone cold sober and i was bored out of my fucking mind <laughs> the entire time um I don't know. I feel like the humor at, in this is just such a low level that it's just like I I just didn't I didn't really think any of it was very funny. Um, I I think I, I agree with you, John, about Steve Martin's like later career. I think he has done some good stuff, but um, I don't know. Like I've seen some of his stand up that I liked, and um, like when I was a kid, I really liked the Three Amigos. I don't know if that holds up oh, anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't like you know, dislike the guy, but I just didn't really get this movie. Um, you know, I, if it, it feels very like classist and, and sort of like racist in parts. And, uh, you know, it's like he, you know, he grows up in a, um, he, like his, uh, portrayal of a poor black family is like this sharecropper family that literally sings pick a bale of cotton yeah. it's like okay uh that's that's a choice um and then like you know the um you know him accidentally getting rich and then it, you know just being like isn't this guy such a shit person because he thinks like old wine is bad and he wants new wine you know and it's like it just seems like very um I don't know, just like making fun of poor people generally. And I don't know, like it's fine. I don't really have any moral issues with the, the, the film. Like it's from 1979. I understand like where it's coming from, but uh, I I just felt like it wasn't funny. And like the things that it was trying to do, I just didn't, didn't really get. Um, It has generally good reviews. Like it had a 61 meta score, you know, so like not bad, Um, but I don't know. I didn't, didn't really get it. Uh, just kind of went uh, over or, or under my head, I guess. But uh, yeah, right, Ryan, Ryan, I'm curious to hear because you said you watched it a lot as a kid. Like, are there like rewatching it now? Are there moments that you were like, oh yeah, maybe this isn't as good as I thought it was, or is it like, does it just hit your funny bone in a way that it doesn't? That it doesn't hit mine. It's a good example. Some of the some of the movies I've gone back and watched that are funny comedies, like in spite of whatever the fuck else is going on in them, or there are things that stand out to me. But if I had to tell you what the plot beats were, I couldn't possibly remember <laughs> them. Um, an example actually was a family we watched Fifty First Dates, uh, which isn't like a zany comedy. It's in that weird, uncomfortable Adam Sandler zone where he can't figure out what exactly it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you'd asked me, I'd been like, oh, yeah, he's uh, somebody in Hawaii something. And then he bumps into her and then they start having dates and he finds out, you know, she has amnesia. And I completely forgot the beginning of that movie is he just fucks a different uh, tourist every night. Like, that's the beginning plot. Because I'm like, OK, why would I remember that? Because it's actually not funny and mm-hmm. doesn't, it, you know, it's supposed to serve the plot idea, I guess. But it's not good. Kind of the same thing here. I'm like, I remember, I remember me raised by a black family because that first line is just to completely shock and confuse you. Yeah, it does really do that. And I had heard that that was like one of the only things that I knew from the movie, and so I like knew that was going to happen. So I feel like if I went into it completely cold, not knowing that, that would have landed a little bit better. But yeah, and then I I remember a couple key beats but i kind of forgot like and this is where the movie definitely kind of loses its its luster for a chunk from 
the gas station to actually getting some money, yeah. the the romance angle piece that comes kind of drags in mm. some weird ways and doesn't quite make sense. And there's that's also about the point where you're like, okay, he's stupid, but how stupid can he be? Like about so naive about the world around him mm-hmm. um, that it that also kind of dies off. And then once he gets some money and we get into some other zany shit, it kind of sort of comes back around for me. But I like, yeah, I would have like if I'd if you've been like, oh, what job does he have? I'm like, I wouldn't have remembered he was at the circus because there's honestly not anything that funny there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's yeah. kind of like that where I'm like, the things that hold up for me it is probably nostalgia glasses where I'm like. Hit the getting shot at in the cans like that cracks me up, and I still say that like the you know the lines that it come from this that I use is like that. Oh my god, he hates cans! Like if it, if a can falls over or something, that's one of my go tos. <laughs> Everybody stay away from the cans. Stay away from the cans. He hates the cans. Uh, and then definitely at the end, I do think legitimately, and this this is you can tell where there's skits that he had probably from his own stand-up routines that he then sort of transferred into this movie. I think the ending where he's walking out saying he doesn't need anything and then he just progressively picks up that bit was more funny. random I shit. At that. Yeah. that is funny. That's yeah. the like absolutely hilarious, but it has mm. no need of any setup either. Right? right you can yeah. just watch that scene and laugh. Uh-huh. Um, which is kind of how this movie is. It's like these bits, right? Sort of strewn together with the plot. That was the other thing I was interested in as we've talked before about a comedy like this needing something to hold it together mm-hmm. to not just actually be a series of bits. And this one vaguely has a story. I agree. It's Forrest Gump. He just kind of fucking fumbles. Yeah. His <laughs> life, un- not understanding what the hell's going on around him. Um, I would say, yeah, in retrospect, as a kid in the, in the m- mid to late eighties, probably when I watched this, I, and then as an as an adult now, the opening scenes with his family are pretty outright sort of what do you, what would you call that racism where it's kind of like try what do you call it? It's not involuntary racism. <laughs> involuntary um, racism. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of exactly how how to phrase it you because want to coin it's sort term? of yeah. I don't yeah. I guess the jerk racism. <laughs> It knows it knows it's playing with those stereotypes. Sure, yeah. In, in a way that, like, yeah, you mentioned Dave Chappelle. I'm like, the Chappelle show pushed mm-hmm. a lot of buttons yeah. in of itself. And it wasn't just Chappelle making fun of fellow black people. He also, and not just white people, which anybody can laugh at, uh, he <laughs> did also hit some other races at times. Uh, and in his show and stuff, he does. And it that's where it always with Chappelle always got a little uncomfortable, right? And where he has actually Kurt, you know, brought in some uh controversy. It's funny to me that that doesn't come up for Steve Martin because you could just go back and point at the beginning of this movie and be like, We need to cancel Steve Martin. Yeah. Oh, was it like the, the poolside scene as well? It, <laughs> yeah, definitely the poolside scene is where it goes <laughs> off its hinges. Um, which is just like a setup gag from the beginning. Like the the like why yeah. Is he raised that way other they, than it's yeah, what, funny? What explanation? Right. Because yeah. no other joke hinges solely on that. No other joke is required. Like the other, I, I don't know if you laughed whenever he sent that letter home 
and his like was it his like brother or something is listening to the parents read about his him finding his special his, purpose his oh, special yeah. purpose. which i was like that's funny that's just a fun entendre thing and the dude like just trying not to laugh super <laughs> hard at it i was like this is great but again that doesn't have any merit with him having a black family or a white family or any of that it, it really is just that poolside scene is the moment i saw that i was like oh this is why all of this was set up this and the opening line of I was born a poor black boy or something, which, right. Yeah. It, I don't know. The, the contrast there too, of like f- going back in time to show when you think that he might be a child, but he's like full grown Steve Martin still <laughs> w- was also a little <laughs> funny. I, I found that to be like humorous in its own way, but it was just, yeah, the rest of it, I, I didn't see any purpose for it. It, it did feel like those sketches um, you could have done. I'm like thinking about all the different because I guess one thing that this movie plays in is it's the jerk. It's got a character who's a central figure is the fool. The fool as an archetype is used to actively critique things to show how absurd certain concepts and constructs are. That's like why Sasha Baron Cohen is constantly making fucking Borat films because there's almost always somebody who's going to out themselves or some structure classism that's gonna point he can just point to it and somebody will just wrap themselves into a pretzel trying to explain why it's supposed to be this way you can um, keep getting rudy giuliani and dick cheney to do stupid shit over yeah, and over you know like. exactly um when you script it though you gotta be like sharper and so it's one of those things where i think that that's where it falls flat for you dixon is like it's a frivolous comedy that's supposed to just be like have a fun romp but it's got the character composition of a biting satire, but what should yeah. be something that skewers any of its characters or any of its establishments. Like we go to that circus and it's like, there's, there's not really a whole lot. You see just a bunch of the attractions and you really just get to learn that the jerk has sex for the first time. And that's like the bit, but there's so much more that you could probably do with the circus. I have no idea what you want to bring into it, but again, probably not the best thing to like criticize i don't know him getting a job at retail and his boss doing some shifty shit would be you know funny commentary but how do you do a goofy gag with it have him fall over a bunch of desks knock over shelves all this other shit that the jerk would probably do or have that dude that stalks him because he's wait why was that guy trying to murder him he just randomly (laughs) picked him out of the phone book but then later he calls him (laughs) oh yes that's another that's another gag that i love the 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 new book is here the yeah. new phone book is here <laughs> now i'm somebody uh yeah so because he put his name up to be in the phone book uh that he dude. got randomly picked to, to be killed uh and then, yeah he shouts all kinds of random shit at him which i guess is whatever crazy justification he says later he wasn't in a good place this is our M, uh, emmett walsh uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, Always love seeing Emmett Walsh and things. He, he's great. He really cracks me up. Not to mm. mention his his run cycle in the later half of the movie where he shows up yeah. just killed me. I hadn't noticed that before, but just <laughs> the way he's like running at him just looks completely bizarre. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, it is interesting. Yeah, there is uh, class is used as gag setup, mm-hmm. but never really necessarily talked about because there is that. I think the closest thing we get, it's never biting satire. Yeah. Right. It, yes. I think you're, you're right. Like the closest thing we get is how, how stupid they are. Um, when they actually have the money and kind of this idea of like, he, he did nothing. He did none of the work. 
I guess. He invented something that was honestly stupid. <laughs> right. Yep. The whole idea is the that that invention is just Do your nostalgia stupid. glasses have the opti grab on them? Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. They come, they, yeah. Oh, you're brought up. Um, it's just honestly stupid. And that that doesn't, you know, what would be funny is if that popped up throughout the movie up into that, right? That it kind of kept coming back that people had it, but it's forgotten about for a while and then comes back at the end. Um, yeah. Or the, the, the second half of the movie. Chekhov's opti, opti grab, whatever. Yeah. And then that, you know, the money it gets blasted away and then by the way we just have to end this is one of those movies where it's like all right our funny our movie's not funny anymore we're out of time we just end the movie <laughs> there's yeah, really no right. anything have his family find him and hug him and it turns out that they made a lot of money and they're okay was that they what? actually did something yeah, yeah they actually knew what to do with the money they um, just invested it, all the money that he sent them over the course of the movie <laughs> yeah, he sent them like a dollar yeah. and like a nickel uh, <laughs> um it it does seem to mainly just try to be like he's an idiot and we just watch him be an idiot which dumb and dumber also kind of does but I, I what i think is interesting is that dumb and dumber to me is almost more situational irony well there is de- right out situational irony but generally mm-hmm. the movie just plays with that situational irony we know there's all this other stuff going on there's you know this money ransom plot you know these guys are trying to murder them and they have no fucking clue what's going on around them, and they just keep bumbling along, and yeah. that's yeah. what makes that funny. Here, there's we have the exact like same. There's movie. nothing like that. Yeah, he, he's just an idiot, and, and it's yeah, just yeah. idiot. Yeah. You know what I would have liked to have seen? Sorry, I'm going to do a lot of what I would have liked to have seen. But how could have made this? Oh, I was going to say. Yeah. Go on the biting commentary, real quick, there was a scene that got cut where he's talking to another rich person in that guy's jet, and the seats are all kind of scrapped up, and he begs the jerk for some money. So he can fix his seats in his private jet, oh. and yeah. the, the jerk the jerk agrees, and he goes, "Now I can fly my friends to the Super Bowl in uh, like a real man," and that's like a actual like satire of this. Yeah. Like, that would have been actually <laughs> that would have been funny. Yeah, why would they cut that? <laughs> that would have been like a one you know one glimmering moment in this movie for <laughs> for people out yeah. there who want the biting satire. <laughs> I I would have yeah like you're you're talking about an impetus like something to drive. The jerk, much like Dumb and Dumber is, you know, uh, she left her briefcase and this whole misunderstanding with these two idiots who decide to try to do the right thing. And the jerk doesn't really he sets out to see the world because he kind of just is compelled to. And that's when his parents decide to tell him that he was adopted. And that does like nothing for him, whereas I would think that would kick off a journey. He would try to seek out his biological parents have no idea how to do it. Then he gets wrapped up in all this other stuff. It could be funny if uh, the Emmett Walsh character was an assassin hired by his parents who were keeping tabs on him to make sure he never came back for an inheritance or some shit. And he's (laughs) trying to kill him the whole time. And then he gets to his parents and they like make up and you find out that whole thing kind of happened. It it could lead to like a lot of goofy gags and repeat things of him being like, this guy just hates all of these things. Like he's got a list of cans and whatever else that it all shoots <laughs> fucking who knows. Um, th- those could have been like good one-off kind of build your comedy over time, but it really did feel like the plot took a break. Like they sent the plot writers on vacation for a while, which is just Carl Reiner and Steve Martin. But it's like, Oh, they just, um, yeah, he'll invent the OptiGrab and then he'll become rich and we'll have our own bits. We set up with that. But for now, like let's find something for him to do while, time is passing to buy us time for him to make that money. Yeah. Just like, okay. I also think it could have been funny if they had had him like 
more passionately try to discover white culture. You know, yeah. like the idea of him like hearing white people music on the radio and be like, oh, my God, I found my thing and then and then leaving the house and going out and like trying to find himself like if he was like pursuing like white culture and just getting obsessed about like uh i don't know diners or something like just random (laughs) random shit for like you know that he was just like really into that was just like very white people things like that that would be pretty funny um but yeah it's just just, the movie feels so aimless and like it's not really going anywhere and i think like what you said about Dumb and Dumber, and I think makes a lot of sense. I think also, like it's just the the writing is so much better in that movie than it is in the Jerk. Right? They're really just relying on, isn't this guy so stupid? Let's point at him and laugh. And like, you know, Dumb and Dumber actually has clever jokes in it that are are funny. Aside from the fact that the characters are stupid, like that plays in to the joke, but it's not just relying on, hey, these guys are dumb and they don't know what things are. Um, like it is in the jerk. I think, um, another thing that I thought about is, uh, kind of comparing this to the Simpsons because, um, you know, obviously that show is very much about Homer's stupidity and like making fun of him for doing dumb stuff. But I think again, like just the writing is so good in the Simpsons that the jokes are better. And also I think the, like Dan Castellaneta's voice and the like zany animation, they can do a lot more with that kind of pre- premise. And like, I thought Steve Martin's dumb voice that he did was just kind of boring and stupid. And um, I, yeah, I just felt like there wasn't really enough for him to do. And the, and the writing just felt like it just really sagged throughout the movie. Um, I noticed that if it was Steve Martin, it wasn't Carl Reiner, it was Carl someone else who wrote this, the who got a story by credit and a screenplay. And then they had one other guy that had a screenplay credit. And I was like, I, when I saw that in the opening credits, I was like, Oh, I bet they brought that guy in to like punch up the script at the end for like the final draft. And I watched the movie and I was like, Oh, they, they didn't punch anything up. <laughs> it's final draft. I don't know what happened. Carl Gottlieb. Gottlieb. The, yeah. Uh, yes. Who worked on jaws two? Oh, okay. <laughs> jaws 3d and caveman, like nothing good. Uh, um yeah i think with the simpsons homer when the simpsons was good the -hmm. changeover from bart to focusing on homer homer was the lovable idiot yeah where the simpsons started to go off the deep end is when homer just became an idiot right where you like between episode to episode he couldn't read or something right (laughs) and it was just played for a laugh um versus being like someone you sort of know to turned up a bit right like right. like kind of like that's you know vaguely stupid guy that turned up just a little bit um where yeah the jerk is kind of just like completely ignorant to how anything works like because he didn't go to school or anything I, I, what's funny about that is i'm like we don't really see any more with his family but i'm like do ours do his brothers and sisters know absolutely nothing or is it he's so intrinsically stupid like yeah. it isn't that he didn't go out in the yeah. world. He's just intrinsically an idiot and will never understand things unless they're. I mean, the little that we see of the rest of his family, they don't seem to be anywhere near his level of low yeah. intellect. Right. They get the the uh, yeah. You talked about where his brother's sitting there because the gag at the end of that letter is like, and I'm going to get a new job because she said she's going to give me a blowjob next week. Yeah. Uh, and then that's when the brother kind of like loses it. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, uh, I would say with. Dumb and Dumber, it's mostly realistic, quote unquote, where this movie does take some broad 
crazy angles, right? We do have a few things that I would say are more like the airplane where it just is like, that's not, it's just there to be completely ridiculous. Um, obviously the, the highest one for that is his head spins, like literally spins. Oh yeah. So we have, we, you know, we have a gag like that. That is just a complete zany gag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like the other, what is it when he's leaving home and he goes to hitchhike and they're like, I really miss him. His whole family. They're like, well, why don't we check on him? And they just like call out the window and he's still just standing he's out still there. there. Like, he's been yeah. there all day. He hasn't eaten or anything. <laughs> That's one of those like Z- proto Zucker brother, you know, gags or um, like airplane kind of style. Yeah. Thing where it's like, there's the instant subversion of, of where it is. So yeah, I'd see like moments like that. So, you know, surface. I think that that's where I got all my, my giggles from. And also, yeah, the weed helped. So, uh, it yeah. was like, nice, nice. <laughs> when, he, <laughs> when he first meets, uh, Bernadette Peters, uh, yes. on, the, on the train in Griffith park in LA, uh, and he saves, what was that kid's relationship? Was babysitting? I don't even know. It's not important again. Yeah. I wouldn't remember if you asked me. Uh, and he's like, she's like, anything I can reward you with. And he's like, could I have a kiss? And then he kisses the kid yeah, and yeah. not her like that kind of like somewhat zany. But then even more, it gets ramped up later when we're there having their date and he leans in to kiss her and he just like licks her face. Yeah. <laughs> right. That it's just like, it's just ridiculous. Like you can't, you know, it's not even realistic how stupid that is or what, what that even is. Right. Yeah. Uh, I also love how he describes wanting to be in the trumpet, but he doesn't want to be on or whatever. It's so, <laughs> he's so, so stupid. Yeah, he and just says weird shit. And it's, it's the, those are the moments that I'm like, all right. <laughs> what the, fuck? The, the gag where he's talking while she's asleep about wanting to marry her. And he's like, it's been, you know, only so many weeks that we've known each other, but it feels like this to me. And then he proceeds to describe how long each day and each week actually <laughs> felt like. Yeah, he's breaking the calculations down. It he just says goes it's been on like and four on. weeks, but it feels like it's been nine weeks and three days instead of four weeks and, and five days or some shit. And yeah, like, and he's like, on the first day, it was like two days, and then the next day was like a week, and then it was back to like a regular day, and then the next three weeks was like five weeks. And then that's that kind of he's thing like, I like, have it all. He goes, I have it all written down. I can show you <laughs> those are like the bits. Yeah, see, like those gags individually recalling them, it's like, that's funny. But when you string it all together with like an aimless plot and the story and the way that it goes, you're like, there's something that feels oddly like, oh, you're like half in it. You know, you're half into this. If you really kind of work to, I don't want to say that like story structure has to be everything, but it really feels like there was more of like, oh, we got to get to this gag and this gag and we got to get to this. And I remember there's something that like the South Park writers have said, where if you are constantly finding yourself saying and then and then then you failed to tell a story that has good humor in it. And their belief is that you should say, because, 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 and follow the chain of events that happen and put your jokes in that. And this felt like a total and then movie, which good on them. It's probably an improv thing too. Cause they would just go for whatever the fuck they were going for in the moment. That whole, I didn't know how long he and Bernadette Peters would say goodbye to each other and ask each other if they were going to go on a date. I thought they would go for much longer than they did because <laughs> the rest of the movie already had that same kind of vibe of like, where the fuck else would this go? It has nowhere to be. <laughs> we have no idea. Yeah. I didn't know if he'd keep dancing when everybody left his dance floor after that liability fucking class action lawsuit was announced or what was going to. Yeah, I don't know. It it had a lot un- unexpectedness about it. I guess that's the benefit when you structure your story as loosely as something like this, but it didn't feel like it used that. 
Yeah, this is a movie. The entire premise of this movie is built from that one line. Yep. Like that was a line that Steve Martin thought was funny. And that was his pitch to figure out how to fuck to make a movie off of that one line. Wait, which and line? I, the, I was raised a poor young black uh. boy. Yeah. Right. That was the, that was it. He had that and he was like, that'd be funny. Let's make a movie off of that. That That's the start of the movie. Wow. It's and like somehow Carl, Carl Reiner was like, yeah, right. Monster <laughs> house. <laughs> um, somehow Carl Reiner was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> Went from there. Um, and then I, I, yeah, I totally think it's like he had these other funny lines and funny concepts and it was just trying to string something to get to there. And I would say, unlike uh, Family Guy, where it just goes there, like we just gag, 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 and there's no mm-hmm. point, it does try to get you there, which like South Park or The Simpsons, right, kind of tries to follow uh, some beats to get you there. What South Park does well is start off normal-ish in its comedy, mm-hmm. and then and then it gets to the part, you know, comedy is about the unexpected and the like uncomfortableness that then gets broken by whatever the joke is. Yeah. And South Park does a great job of kind of leading you up to something where you're like, okay, here it comes, and it hits that part in the episode where it goes where you didn't even fucking possibly think it could have gone. Like, that's how it does the zany, is you get to that point, and it's like, I'm sorry, did you say crab people? Like, it just <laughs> goes off right off of a... Crab people. <laughs> right. And then you and then you're along for the ride at that point. And I think this hits kinda like the individual bits kind of try to do that where they get right up to that and then go a little bit over where I think airplane goes further. But yeah. then it is just bit to bit. Yeah. I I'm actually kind of curious. Um I don't I'm trying to think of like other 70s comedies I've seen. Like Maybe this is something where, you know, uh, Dixon, whenever we first, when I was first welcomed into your movie club way back when, <laughs> I don't know if it's yours specifically or if it was. Not anybody. anymore. It's not. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, we watched Young Frankenstein and I went back and watched like the 1930s Frankenstein because I was like, yeah, somebody who saw this movie was alive to see Young Frankenstein, surely. And they like that would be where some comedy along with Mel Brooks sensibilities is interwoven and makes it like even funnier because movie club we were with ugh, nobody fucking liked that <laughs> movie um but i was having a good time and so i wonder if there's something here where like place yourself you know before 79 look at sort of because we've had like animal house and some other stuff that's come that's like this outrageous comedy you know and trying to be edgy and all of this shit uh is the jerk like because you said it was sort of um the like proto airplane proto you know progenitor for these things potentially ryan and uh i'm curious if it is a a turning point for comedy if it's like a signifier in some way that culturally that's why it's still kind of lauded and there's still not like the highest praise but faintly high praise because it did something that shocked audiences and it grossed this much money because it kept people coming back for some reason was it just like what was the zeitgeist at the time or any of that because now it seems like it's yeah faded a bit this being the tail end of the 70s the 70s is really where that stuff does open up you mentioned mel brooks and yeah it's reminded me of high anxiety yeah that's sort of well but blazing saddles was before this that was like smack dab in the middle of the 70s and it is that is an outright zany topical satirical over the top 
movie. Yeah. Um, and Young Frankenstein was like that same year. This 79 would have been Life of Brian. So Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which is just doesn't even vaguely really try with its plot. Yeah, my, yeah. my my theory of like having a plot, I'm like, it tells you it has a plot and then it fails to give a shit about it anywhere <laughs> along the way. Um, would have been earlier. And that's definitely like it's British comedy, but it had a pretty good fall, you know, following in the United States, even to 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 that effect. I would say you go all the way back to talking to Mel Brooks, the producers was in the 60s. Mm. And in concept, the producers definitely takes that what I just said with South Park. Because by the time you get through the like, ha, it's just kind of funny in concept of what they're building. When you hit the actual play in oh, the producers, yeah. right? It's gone so much further <laughs> than you thought that it it kind of comes back around, like it boomerangs back around in its ridiculousness. And to be something that's, you know, it, it, scarily 20 years after the end of World War II, it's amazing that they, you know, are making fun of that. So I think the doors to comedy were opened up in the 70s for sure. And they start to be kind of opened in the 60s. I think where this one falls, it isn't necessarily like, oh, there weren't funny comedy movies or there weren't great comedy movies before. I yeah. think this is what opened up that more of the comedy, like stupid, dumbbell, like it's just sort of a stupid comedy, I yeah. guess. Right, it's not it's necessarily like comedy? zany or something. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Like, yeah, it's not gonna, it's not gonna criticize or whatever. It's just gonna be dumb and goofy and have these gags. And there you go, got your it, gags, good to go. At, yeah. Off the top of my head, I would also say this is, in my, I think one of the first times I can think of of where the comedy is kind of built around one specific actor, versus being. You know, we made a comedy movie and we got some funny people or we got a couple people together or whatever. This is coming from, you know, yeah, SNL really, yeah, SNL really rocketed a bunch of people to be like breakout stars in of themselves. And then you start to see movies like this. And then, you know, you've got like Dan Aykroyd has his own movies and right. You start to have these movies that are built around it. Cause even, you know, Animal House, it's like, yeah, John Belushi is like, technically not even the main character of that movie not at all like you think about it as a john belushi movie but really it's an ensemble cast of mm -hmm. random shit right and this one is like it if if steve marvin fails there's nothing else to this movie Bernadette peters is hilarious and this is a role that's like great for her but i'm like this movie is just if you yeah you're either in it for steve martin or you're not right like if it's not if it's not working for you it's not working for you because it's all there is here yeah yeah and I think like, you know, you're mentioning other comedies from that era and it's, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm criticizing this movie for like story and character, but like th that's because I there's just nothing here. Right. Like I I don't mind a plotless movie that doesn't have great characters. Like I like Airplane, you know, I, I like stuff like that if it has good jokes. But like, I think if you're going to make a movie like that, it's got to have pretty damn good jokes in it to hold it up when you have nothing else. Right. And like for me, the jokes just didn't land very well and when there's nothing else in the movie to keep me engaged then like it's just it's hard when you miss on the one thing that you're going for you know yeah yeah and there are there i think there are some high highs but there are a lot of jokes that are just honestly like huh, okay like and you know one that comes to my head is when he's he is so stupid he has absolutely no plan and he just gets this job i guess because the guy tells him to start cleaning the bathroom. It was sort mm -hmm. of unclear why he even went with that. 
but he's like, oh, you can stay here. And he takes him back into the bathroom and he's just like, okay, I'll make this work. Like whatever. It's not that funny. Like you kind of get it where you're like, oh my God. And then he goes back into the next place. Like it's perfect. And it's still shitty. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, it's funny, but it's not really that funny. I think the right. only funny part was that there was a guy urinating in the bathroom well, while they were having that conversation. <laughs> yes. I, I think it yes. would have been funny if that dude urinating also chimed in and tried to coach him on how he could do interior decorating in the bathroom. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, you could put a plant right over here. <laughs> I also like that. There were so many tells. That's the other thing is when you're going to do subversive humor, you got to hide your tells really well, I would say. Um, or if you're really going to show it, I don't know. You got to do it in a different way for me. Cause when they walked into that bathroom, I saw that other door. I was like, Oh, it's right through there. And then yep. the jerk immediately launches into talking about what he's going to do with the bathroom. If I had never known that door was there and it just looked like a cramped bathroom with maybe like, you know, there's a waiting bench for whoever's standing at the urinal over by this corner. And it has like a tiny cot. It's like half the size of a human being like the jerk being like, I'll figure out how to sleep here and do this and that and whatever else. And then to be like, no, it's actually like through this stall. We knocked out a wall, a wall or something. I would have been like, oh, that's like an actual subversion that would have got me laughing a lot harder, probably at what was going on. But instead of showing the door instead in the, of the actual entire shot, time, you're yeah. watching the guy look at the jerk and then look at the door and then look at the jerk. And I was like, I'm looking at the jerk, too. And I'm looking at the guy like, why the fuck am I here waiting for this to be the joke? I already know it's the joke. So it was right. like a bit of a, a pacing thing for me. I also wonder if like. The joke pacing is off because one thing I found is I don't know, Ryan, if you found this, too, but after watching a lot of Mystery Science Theater and then going to like a Master Pancake show or sitting with my friends and watching a movie, there's a lot of like dead air in jokes that I notice now or like pacing between jokes or watching things like Walk Hard versus, you know, this obviously Walk Hard has a joke like fucking every 30 seconds to like a minute. It, it's kind of insane the amount they try to cram into that movie. And still have it have like a serious story with characters that are supposed to have arcs and shit. And this one, I felt like there was a lot of building to like a very small joke. It reminded me of like a kitty coaster where you're like, oh, we're going up. And then you get that little bit and your like stomach makes that nice little flutter. And that's about it. And you're like, well, that was, I guess, nice. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of what it felt like for me. It, it has been interesting going back and looking at it, that. I actually, you know, there's a pacing to old movies just in general when you when you watch older movies. And I, I have this sense now of I'm like, God, they were figuring it out. Yeah. Like it really, and even it's been interesting to look at it like in my lifetime, you know, and I guess, you know, hindsight's 2020 20 or whatever, I guess maybe now things could be better, but the, you know, it could. But I go back and I watch movies even, you know, before turn of the century 2000s. And I'm like, wow, man, they didn't know exactly what to do on, you know, with television or the timing or with movies like they still hadn't figured it out. And the further back you go, there is still that sense of like they just weren't quite sure how it worked. And they were making it up as they go in in a way that I, well, I watched some like it hot and mm-hmm. it, it felt so slow and it took so long to get to a joke that was like a really over the top joke. And it spent a lot of time in a movie that's completely ridiculous, uh, just actually being a movie, right? Yeah. And Chris, Christmas in July was actually surprisingly well-paced. Mm-hmm. You know, when, we, when we think back to that, actually was, for the time, I find it, it was surprisingly well-paced like paced for what it was. But you go back to a lot of those older movies, and they're like, they're funny, but it's just like trying still to be a movie. 
And it isn't until you get to something like this where it's like, it's not really actually concerned with being a movie yeah. as much as being being it's funny. It's a vehicle for Steve Martin to try to make jokes. Yeah. Yep. And, and I do think the difference between a Mel Brooks movie or Airplane is that this does feel more like stand-up where there kind of is that like, let me get them anticipating it. Then I tell the joke and then I need to be quiet for a minute and let the audience chill on it. And then either I can kind of heighten the joke a little bit more and kind of keep going with it or we move on to something else versus airplane and blazing saddles. There's kind of just such constant shit going on. Dumb and dumber is this way too. I would think where it doesn't really care if you get that current joke, you'll get it when you come back to it later Uh or we have another joke for you. Or there are things where you're like, I didn't even realize that was a joke. Like I miss that. The Simpsons is good about that too. There's sort of just a constant beat of things going on. And if you don't catch that joke in the moment, doesn't matter that it still works outside of all of that. Yep. There are scenes yep. here where it's like, if you don't get the joke of that scene, there's no point. It's, it's completely <laughs> spent. Yeah, it's yeah. completely w- wasted. Yeah. I mean, that's like the, the Zucker mentality was like, you should always have something going on in the foreground when you don't have something in the background and always something in the background. when you have something when you don't have anything really in the foreground. It's like you switch off where you're being serious and it feels like this is one of those where I really notice it. It's like, you know, if uh, if the jerk had been running after being shot at at the gas station and in the distance you see Emmett Walsh like rolling down the hill because he fell or something, there's like a little bit of like slapsticky humor to, you know, actually get you through that part. But if it's just solely whatever the jerk does, whenever the jerk does it, all the other characters are there to drive him along, then it divides like half of the enjoyment time, it seems, with with like, all right, this is either going to work or it's not. Here you go. Uh, nothing to fall back on, no extra layers. I was like, all right. I don't know. I feel like yeah, there's really no, now. <laughs> yeah, there's really no layers, right? Everything is on Front yeah, Street with it's this on the movie. Yeah. yeah, and there really isn't anything, like, other than Bernadette Peters kind of being a vaguely female jerk, I guess. She seems to understand how the world works. She just also is an idiot, I guess. Yeah. I, I might have been so blazed that I, I was just, I really liked their relationship for whatever reason. I felt that they had a decent enough chemistry and I thought it was cute. I think at one point I started to warm up to the jerk in the sense of like, he has like a really, uh, I don't want to say that he's like Joe Para, but he had that kind of naivety for me yeah. when he talks about being in the phone book and being somebody it was kind of sweet and there'd be moments like that that i really enjoyed and i latched onto that innocence of the character but then there's other shit where it's like you're watching him be slowly corrupted by all the forces around him and not realizing it but it felt so sloppily done never really caused him strife like the i think the one time doesn't he piss he pisses off bernadette peters but then she immediately comes to find him because she's concerned about him. And I really thought at some point he would just have a comeuppance. He would learn a lesson, but the comedy's not focused on that. The story doesn't care about that. It's not really an arc for him to have and be like, I now know how the world works. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah, she, le- she leaves him initially. Uh, and we, I guess we actually don't really find out why, because the note gets wet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And he I has no clue. I forgot about that whole scene where he's in the bathtub. Yeah. And his but dog see- shithead. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which <laughs> should call that dog shithead. Um, I, that he takes okay. that <laughs> I it's funny because if you come into that movie after that point, you just think he's an asshole to the dog, but the dog's name is just legitimately shithead. He's legitimately shithead. It's a bit of like okay, sure, 
fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind I guess of funny. The, I guess the dog is also stupid, right? Where he like tries to <laughs> sick him to attack and he attacks himself. Mm. Um, shit like that that is, is somewhat funny. I did kind of chuckle at the bit where he was like, oh, you got to leave town, shithead. Like, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to have <laughs> enough food for both of us. You got to go, like, find a family that'll love you. And he sprints away and he's like, no, never mind. Come back. I'll, I'll, no, uh, or no, I'm he's like, I'm not finished yet. Come back. He like keeps <laughs> saying his speech and then he runs out. He's like, okay, fine. You can come with me. And he's like dragging him <laughs> on his leash on his journey to his next town. Oh man. Had his big moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it, it's hard to talk around this other than talking about, like, individual, like, comedic bits, I guess, that are in it, um, which I think we probably covered the ones that are the the highs are, like, actually funny. Yeah. Um, other than, I was going to say, the other sort of, like, a little over-the-top zany moment when the, the, uh, the guy shows him the tape of the underground cat juggling. Oh yeah, that whole scene. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, I I had a blast. That was when I lost my mind, Ryan. That was peak high, yes. and I, my brain just melted because he was just like, "Oh my god, underground cat juggling." I've heard about this, and it's Steve Martin in like a wig or dyed hair, <laughs> yeah. and he's just like clearly juggling dummies. But everybody's so fucking into it in that crowd. There's like a dude leaning on a handle of vodka or tequila, and I'm just like, <laughs> "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> Yeah, and again, it's no way. There's no point. It doesn't go yeah. anywhere. It doesn't. Yeah, you would think. I agree. You would think that he gets scammed by the by the charities or something. No, it's just whatever. The only like vague comeuppance is he wastes all this money and then he ends up that somehow you know you don't even buy it. Somehow his glasses invention makes everybody cross-eyed. Uh, I do yeah. love that it that it is like a class action suit led by Carl Reiner. They yeah. yeah. Just straight as up himself. acknowledge that it's Carl Reiner as Carl Reiner reading, leading the class action suit. <laughs> he loses it. And then you cut back to him writing checks for, was it like a dollar and nine cents? Yeah. He's, he has to individually mail out the checks to the million people that bought the glasses. <laughs> and I, and I do think that that's that like naivete, naivete, how do you say it? <laughs> yeah. Naivete. Uh, that, that is vaguely endearing. Right, he sends the postcard back to his boss. He sends these letters back to his family. Like it's not heart of gold per se, but he just is such a simple man that mm. yeah, you you kind of are like, all right. But he just is like is incredibly stupid. Yeah. <laughs> the I guess we should mention more the the bit where he's writing the checks and then uh, you know, his wife kicks him out of the house and you know ryan you mentioned like that bit being pretty funny it's like he's like i don't need i don't need anything except this ashtray that's all i need is is this ashtray but i don't need anything else so then he like keeps going throughout the house and picking up more things it's paddleball game this ashtray and he starts reciting it again and again he's trying from to the top something. every time yeah. he grabs a new thing like the list just keeps getting longer and you keep thinking it's the last thing and the bit goes from like kind of funny to not funny to funny again as it gets longer yeah. you know yeah like, and he's even like with this chair <laughs> he's even like yeah out of frame at uh -huh. the end of it and you can just vaguely hear him listing off all the shit again his pants are around his ankles yeah mm -hmm. the whole time. and then we yeah we cut to outside of him going down the street still carrying all this shit <laughs> Uh, I also like the bit where he runs out uh, naked with the dog in front oh, of yeah. him and he oh, picks right. up his neighbor's dog <laughs> to cover his ass. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, that was good. That's a good bit. I, I thought that that was, yeah, th- there's just those moments where it's like, oh yeah, that happened. That was really funny. It's so weird that it's overwhelmed by the rest of it. It, kind of, it makes sense, but just like now that you're saying it, yeah, more of it's coming back to me. And I'm like, I did have a good time watching parts of this movie. I laughed quite a bit of it. And then the rest of it, I was just like, I don't know what this is about. <laughs> so uh, what's in, the poolside scene again? I was going to say, do what? <laughs> the poolside scene? I like, we didn't even really oh, talk about it. Maybe, maybe let's just it. not talk about that one. <laughs> All right, who wants to say it? I'm just gonna... <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that's the one vague attempt at class conversation that this movie does sort of have when he's walking along with the guys, these other rich people telling him, you know, whatever about uh, diversifying and what, like paying off. They want to invest in an apartment complex, I think. Yeah. Investing in an apartment complex, uh, all these, and he has no clue what they're talking about. He just wants to be part of it. And is just like nodding his head along. And then one of them directly tells it that it's like, Oh no, we're going to be using it to, to kick out poor black people. Not the word, not the word choice. Yeah. Uh, which at that point, uh, Steve Martin's like, "Hey, I'm a poor black person again." Not the word choice. Yeah. Uh, the the definitely the the n word questionable word choice used solely for the gag. And then he breaks out into like, and then he just promise. goes into karate. Yeah. He starts <laughs> fucking kicking promise. these fucking apartment moguls' asses. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I yeah I feel like the gag is just to have that. One, again, the line, right? Oh, yeah. They're mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm that. Yeah, that's it. That's what's supposed to be funny about that. The satire piece isn't really there, honestly. Like, it doesn't really try or care. Yeah. I, I like, it also felt like that, that gag in so, not even the gag of using the word, but just the end of that sequence is he fights off all these guys and then he's done. Which, in and of itself, we've never seen the jerk really fight, and we've never seen any kind of training he might have or any kind of outrage strength he has, any of that stuff that in- indicate that that fight would go the way that it went. I honestly would have loved it if that went to an indulgent place where he kicks all the dude's asses and then suddenly, like, women show up and it's a fantasy he's been having and then it, like, cuts back and they're all just beating the shit out of him on the ground and, like, leave him uh, or something. I don't know. It's just way more cynical and harsh on the jerk. Well, that, that scene ends with him kicking a guy in the balls, except it doesn't work because the guy's... And then it cuts oh, yeah, away to like finding out that he has metal testicles. Steel crush and then that's McFadden it. it's just, or something? Yep. Yeah. Iron Balls McGinty. Iron Balls McGinty. And that's it. Steel crush McFadden. I don't know. <laughs> it all works. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to write a fan fiction. <laughs> Steel crush McFadden. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, then he has to pay that class action check, right? That's what you were saying? Yeah, yeah. it just cuts away from that. And then, he, yeah, later he has to pay those. So, again, yeah, it doesn't have comeuppance. It doesn't have... It, you would think that he would end up displacing his own family. Yeah. Right? Or something. And then that's... You're right. You have this constant sense of, like, oh, it's going to come back around full circle. And the only like vaguely full circle it comes back to is going back to his family and they now have money. The money he's been sending them helped them to help, help them to actually be, yeah, get money that yeah. he didn't because he wasted it or, or he didn't even necessarily waste it. Like he just lost it because of this class action lawsuit, right? He just sort of drifted yeah. in, in and out of poverty. There you go. Easy come, easy go, as Jasper says in The Simpsons. 
<laughs> when he gets his eyesight back and then loses it again. Loses it again. <laughs> um, I'm blind. Comparing, <laughs> comparing this to, to Tropic Thunder, since that was what we just previously talked about, right? Where we're, yeah. we're mostly in it for the comedy bits and the ridiculousness. Um, the the pacing <laughs> on Tropic Thunder, which again, like I, I vaguely remember the plot. Like it's interesting going back and getting those pieces of that movie. And I'm like, I don't remember this stuff. But it's funny, the things that I didn't remember in this, there was good reason not to remember it. The things in Tropic Thunder, there was very little I went back and I was like, I don't remember this. And be like, oh, but it was funny. Like most in Tropic Thunder, I came back and was like, oh, I don't remember this, but this is hilarious. Yeah. Um, and the pacing tends to kind of keep you going. There are more side characters are bullshit. Kind of everyone is is bullshit. The satire is super biting. Like that movie kind of keeps its thing going for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and there's not particularly moments where you're like, all right, we got to get to the big finish. We got to work our way to the, like it kind of knows how to keep going with it. Yeah. Um, which is interesting that this movie made a lot of money at the time and has kind of been forgotten. Tropic Thunder did well, but also has kind of fallen a little in, you know, to the, it's not cult movie. And this wouldn't this be either because movie? it was a big. No, no it did well we, when it came yeah, out. It like, did really, really we're well. Having, we having the same conversation. I had a fucking stroke. Yeah, we're, oh yeah. We're, we're, we're like both of these made a lot of money and then kind of have faded away. And then people think that they found something great, um. not realizing that like it was good at the time. And then kind of people don't really care anymore. <laughs> uh, not that it's some like lost golden treasure. Yeah, I got to come up with a name for that. Got to got to coin a term. There's an opportunity afoot here. <laughs> For comedies that aren't cult films, but people yeah. think they are. And Finding amnesiatic cult knows. films. <laughs> amnesiatic. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but... Uh, we'll find it, everybody. We'll find it. Don't worry. We're on the job. Uh, well, was there anything else, Ryan? Any other trivia that we needed to know? I feel like... I've seen The Jerk. I'm good for a little while. I might watch it again someday. Don't I'm do high it. enough. <laughs> Yeah, there's Again, honestly, you know, from the, there's not much like around this movie or more to it, right? It is the kind of interesting that it is such a simple, straightforward production of a movie, which is like, hey, we have a guy, he's a popular comedian right now. And this is like, I just mentioned the SNL stuff because that after, around this time and then kind of after is when you start to have those movies where it like just is a Chevy Chase movie. It, oh yeah, you know, great vacations and yeah. yeah, uh Blues Blues Brother, you know, that's mm-hmm. two fucking two love people, Blues but it's Brothers. the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah that was after Blues this. Brothers. Oh, dude. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was after this, right? And then yeah, kind of any of the any of that stuff kind of, you know, Caddyshack I guess is also ensemble class. But a lot of those things where it's that's like those movies is Rodney Dangerous. But the main character is the kid. That's one of those yeah, movies it's funny where you don't him. even it's think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you a good Rodney Dangerfield movie. That's the Back to the, School. Back to School. <laughs> 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 I fucking love that movie. <laughs> fucking <God. laughs> uh, um, yeah, that that like this is the first one where it's like, hey, we're gonna build it around this guy that he's just funny, and then that's it. Like that is what the movie is. Um, and so it just is that. Like it's just comedy bits built what around this particular comedian. Yeah. And you're done. Yeah. And so that's it. There's nothing interesting around it because it literally was like he and Carl Reiner made jokes back and forth and then figured out which ones work. There's obviously ad libbing all over the place in this. I think they even on filming were just like fucking whatever, like let's just do something. 
um, and then see what sticks. It really felt like they were just making this as they went along and didn't really have a solid <laughs> script or a decent idea of what they were doing. It's just like, it felt like they were just like, you know, oh yeah, then we'll just like figure out how to do some sort of bit around this and like, you know, ad lib it as they go. And I don't know how much this was written out and how much it was worked through as they filmed it, but it felt like they didn't do their homework beforehand. I really want to know if this is it. We had it. Like we had access to it kind of movie. You get like certain low budget movies where it's like, Hey, we had it. Let's use it. You know, we got a monster truck. Let's use it. We, got we, we have stuff. a T-Rex. Yeah. yeah. We have a T-Rex. Let's we make Tammy the T-Rex. Why mm-hmm. the fuck not? Um, this one, it's just like, Hey, we had access to a gas station that's pretty run down. I knew a buddy who works there. Hey, the circus is in town. I don't think they'd mind us showing some free advertisement for them. Fuck it. Uh, like all this other stuff just kind of is like, yeah, we got access to a dance floor. It's community hall or something like the, there weren't really intricate sets that needed to be built for this or any of, I don't know. It could have been, could have been pulled yeah, off. Yeah. The only thing is the mansion, I guess. Right. Yeah. And this is like a $7 million at the time movie yeah. that made, 70 almost 80 80 million wow. 70 something million yeah Damn. so it, a really big return on on yeah because it's honestly the, even with the sets like what's the one there's a stunt two stunts i oh, guess yeah. there's sort of like some stunting around the motorcycle but it's really shitty and then there's the the <laughs> stunt of pulling the uh yeah, pulling the church in half um yeah. oh, that's the only like gag I had that's the only yeah like expensive <laughs> thing in this movie honestly so um dumb. that Mansion's been in a ton of movies. That's just one of those, you know, it's just a mansion in Beverly Hills. I don't remember. Rent some Saudi prince. Some Saudi prince owned it at some point. I think it's a William Randolph Hearst mansion originally. Oh. Yeah. And it's just been used a ton for stuff. And that was just, yeah. They, when he calls off the scene where he's like, he's writing the letter back and he's like, remember when I always wanted a disco room with people dancing in it all the time? Mm-hmm. Remember when I wanted a, a pool room with a camel statue behind it yeah. like that's the Solid entirety of that billiard room <laughs> yes that script was just what's in the mansion and they wrote it into right. the script. <laughs> yeah. like, this is what the set looked like when we got there it's <laughs> exactly all signs point to this yeah well yeah i don't think that there's much that they had to even like bring into this movie <laughs> there is a custom designed car in it that's one of those weird yeah. tangents yeah <laughs> um so yeah, yeah, it seems like it's an easy movie to make. They made it up as they went. And they made a surprising amount of money off of it at the time, but uh, does it? Yeah, I'll like we can go around and give our final impressions. Does it hold up? Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> does it have some funny scenes? This feels like a movie that's absolutely one of those. Don't watch it. Look for the like YouTube clips that some channel is getting away yeah. with. Yeah. Yep being able to show because they're short enough or legally whatever, just like those clips out of context are funny enough in them themselves. Anyway, there's not any context that this movie gives you fucking anything. Uh, is this Steve Martin's best movie? Nope. Not even that. Like I agree. Three amigos. I would like to revisit it, but I actually think dirty rotten scoundrels. Uh, I kept thinking that this was that movie for some reason. And I've never seen, and you wished you were watching that, but I was just like, I wonder what that's about. (laughs) Yeah, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is funny. It has a plot. It has, you know, some more the the story and stuff that goes with it. And it's more of this ridiculous sort of premise and setup for them to be kind of funny. But it really is more of just like it's funny in its plot, right? Kind of what we're talking about with Dumb and Dumber to some extent, right? The the concept of the plot is funny. Yeah. These two idiots that don't know the ransom money that they took. Um 
So yeah, I'm like, no, it's not even the best Steve Martin thing. Is it the first Steve Martin thing? Yeah, is it worth that? No, because <laughs> like has has he left an indelible mark on the comedy world? Not since he burned his any goodwill he'd ever had with horrible shit that he's made over the years <laughs> recently. I guess he's got some TV show that I hear is all right, but I don't got care. Got a bluegrass band, doesn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. an amazing yeah. banjo player. He has always yeah. been a really good banjo player. I mean, player. I respect him more as a musician than a comedian. I will say that. I'm on <laughs> record. I've got nothing against the guy, obviously. It's just I've seen enough of his comedies, and I say that with air quotes, and you can hear that, uh, to to just be like, I don't know if I want to do a Steve Martin movie. I don't know if I want to watch another one. <laughs> yeah. I did the- watch. Uh, he had a stand-up um, show with Martin Short that I went to with my family in Dallas a few years ago, and mm-hmm. it was really good. Like he's yeah. clearly can still write funny jokes and, you know, perform stand up successfully. But, um, it seems like that maybe just didn't translate to his film career as, as well as it could have. Yeah. I, I, think, it's- I, I think what sucks in this case, cause I'm, you know, we, you mentioned pink Panther, like that's a travesty. It's always oh, cheaper yeah. by the dozen for that matter. And I also think, I think of Leslie Nielsen as Mr. Magoo. Oh, I think that in <laughs> all of those cases I just listed, they made more money on those movies than they ever made on anything. That's that made them famous. Hollywood, baby. Right? Yeah. Fucking raking I'm like, the cash I, on a brand. <laughs> I can't imagine that even with this being the hit that it was, that Steve Martin really made that much money off of the jerk, and he bought fucking houses off of uh, probably cheaper by the dozen. Pink yeah. It's like that Michael Caine quote. But what is still, it? I've, yeah. I've never seen Jaws 4, but I've seen the house it built. Or it. Uh. Right. And he, you know, it's upfronts. Like there was one of those like guarantees, right? They came in and they're like, Hey dude, you want a hundred million dollars to do a cheaper by the dozen remake? Don't even have any other cast other than we're just trying to get you. And he's like, all right, cool. I get a hundred million. I don't fucking care if it sells or doesn't sell. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> there was a sequel to pink Panther and I, was there a sequel to cheaper by the dozen yes, also? Was, yeah. Like, yeah. They just oh yeah. Yeah. Making yeah. That shit. yeah. Yeah. They just kept making them. Yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. that Mr. Magoo got a sequel though. That's disappointing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so i would say yeah it's a pass now now when so i you're not stuff, you guys this. will know what i'm t- no not really yeah <laughs> even even on my list of like these are movies that are critical to things that i say this one's actually pretty passable yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, john what's your uh um, take <laughs> i feel like my being high made it so much better you gave this four and stars on Letterboxd, John. I kept those four stars <laughs> because, you know what? When I was high, it was four stars. I'll say it right there. But when I'm sober, I'm pretty sure it's below. It's far below three for me. Like, I probably would not have laughed quite as hard at any of the things happening. Um, I, would, I would not recommend this movie. However, I still will watch it in a few years to be like, what the fuck was this again? And I blame you, Ryan, and I will text you when I watch it again in several years. It'd be like, if shit, <laughs> it's not if vinegar what- <laughs> syndrome had sent this to you and it was a completely unheard of movie. Yeah. You would think it was brilliant. <laughs> uh, you no, know, there's no way that that would be true. <laughs> But I would have subjected it, several friends to it. Yes, you're correct in that. <laughs> That's the, uh, the, the free-floating plot that you have no idea where it's going is akin to The Astrologer. This movie just keeps going to new things. You're like, what? Why are we here? It's, Why are uh, we doing this now? It's like Patterson, right? Just a week in How life. dare you? <laughs> I wanted to just come out swinging. <laughs> wow. How dare you, know, you besmirch the good name of Adam Driver? <laughs> I'd watch Adam Driver in the Jerk remake. Ruin your oh career, God. Adam Driver. Dude. Make all the money you can. 
is it a comedy or is it like a fully serious by Noah Baumbach? It's not a comedy. <laughs> yes. It's not. It's Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> no, no. I, I meant uh, oh, the jerk, the jerk re- remake oh, is gotcha. by Noah Baumbach. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, all right. D- Dixon, where, when did you message? It was about halfway through and I just realized that it wasn't going anywhere. And I was like, what the fuck? This isn't leading to anything. And I realized that it was just never going to pay off anything or really develop into anything funny. And that's when I texted you, Ryan, what the fuck is this movie? Um, Yeah, I did not like this at all. Uh, Would not recommend it uh, to anybody. Um, If you want to watch a stupid you know, a comedy about stupid people, you know, watch Dumb and Dumber, watch The Simpsons or some of these other things that we've talked about, uh, watch Airplane. You know, there are other options to like, you know, watch movies that make fun of stupid people that are uh, just better written and have better jokes. Yeah. Yeah. T- talking about being built around something, I, it is that it needs more than just like a plot per se. It kind of needs to have something that it's actually doing Mm -hmm. with it right yeah you mentioned like young frankenstein or blazing saddles talking again about about those movies or movie making stereotypes right that that kind of plays with um or dumb and dumber with this like actual kind of core irony around it and how just so far we can push how stupid these guys are and oblivious to everything even Airplane like Anchorman, ridiculousness. Yeah. you know, yeah, it's Anchorman. kind of a, in that vein, too, where there's just a really stupid protagonist, but there is a story that you you can follow that, you know, is is fun to see what happens. And there's fun side characters who do funny shit. There's really good jokes. You know, there's like a there's very much an aesthetic in that movie of like 70s newsrooms that is is fun. And yeah. Yeah. And there's the like with. Anchorman 2, right? He loot not this Anchorman 2, Anchorman 2. Ooh. Uh, I, I, um, I like Anchorman 2, but <laughs> he he loses his job, right? We kind of get this down and out moment where motivation. the character kind of mm. yeah, what which is interesting that the jerk does have that, but it's like the third the to last scene. Well, it's like the third to last scene. And at that point, uh, there's not there's not really a feeling of any stakes or anything. Because it just is kind of at the end of like, all right, whatever. And then we just immediately move off of that train where Anchorman, it is in the normal beat of a movie at the point where you have that, you know, the drop before we come back up, you know, and rise up in the movie and and solve the conflict. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Did we all just talking about what? Yes, we did. Yeah, I think we all. Yeah, this. See, all right. I got us all together on on an all down. (laughs) Shit. I fought you guys to the death promise on that that Uh. one. You know, that's. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even try to give give my own on this one. Um, I I have wondered for a while. This is our, like another side tangent. We could take the the podcast on another episode where sure. I want to see movies that I absolutely hate. Uh, I want to see what point it is that I'm like I'm done. If I go back and watch them now, to like, all right, I'm gonna give it a fair shake. I want to know what scene it is where I'm like, I can't, I can't possibly with this movie. Or this is Ryan's version of Schlocktober, yeah. where he just yes, watches yes, a movie yeah. that he hates every day of the month and tells us the exact timestamp of that when he, he couldn't take it anymore. Where I'm like, I bailed it sounds like a it. government torture experiment. That it really does, yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's Abu Ghraib yeah. shit. <laughs> Speed it, racer, it, <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Speed Racer grew on me. Uh, yeah, see, right? <laughs> I wasn't, the first time I watched it, I was checked out on the very first scene or when the bomb comes in the little car. Um, 
I, I think like I, I think Phantom Menace, like that's the one that always comes to my mind. Oh. Like, go oh, back fuck, and be like, man. what's I, I, the yeah, point it's... where Phantom Menace is like? It's got to be as soon as Jar Jar. Comes it's when he on shows screen, up. It's right? just when Jar Jar I think it's when they up, go just... to Jar Jar's town. I think that's oh, when it gets boss under the yeah. under the sea. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. go under. Yeah, with him or what? I think that's when it like is done. Um, yeah. Also, Spider Man Two. I hate Spider Man Two. I also hate X Men Two. But I don't even remember why I hate them because I haven't watched them again. So mm. <laughs> that would be another like to dig into it and be like, when when is the point that I would be texting you guys like, oh fucking hate Spider Man Two? Mm. <laughs> we need to we well, need to open up a thread, like find a way to publicly post that to a social media site somehow. Uh, Follow Ryan's progress. His uh, yeah, <laughs> just like time stamps on movies. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see where it is, where I'm like, I, this is I my. It takes up too much space in my mind to try to make this make sense. I can't, and I'm done with it. All right. With the jerk, apparently, it's it's uh, halfway through. I do think it's probably about the part where he goes off to the circus, and it's just, like, fucking okay. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, that, that you probably kind of lose it on this movie. All right. So uh, it's, it's all refutes all around. <laughs> I don't think we have anything else really here. Uh, to say I'm done you. talking about this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I Dixon's think, been I think done we're for done. like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him over here just fucking waiting. <laughs> it definitely Checking sounds watch. like we are done. <laughs> really eyeing whiskey bottles that are empty around here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. With that, I was your host Ryan King, and, and joining us, John Garcia. <laughs> oh man, Dixon, he hates this movie. <laughs> Get away from this movie. <laughs> Yeah, and and our uh, our fellow refuter, Michael Dixon. Thanks for putting up with Ryan's bullshit. Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.